Hello, and welcome to Label Sessions Presents. Label Sessions is a global platform that connects you to the best advice from the most interesting people, whether you want advice, mentoring, or ideas. I'm Josh Nix, content producer for Label Sessions. And in this episode, Maxine Mackey of Label Sessions talks to Bart Jordans. Bart is an innovation leader with over 20 years of experience, previously had an innovation with Cigna Healthcare, before now turning to mentoring healthcare startups and ventures globally. Over to Bart and Maxine. Hi, Bart. Thank you so much for joining us today. And we're excited to host you on the Label Sessions podcast and explore a little about what it means to make change happen and innovate in healthcare, something you're very much known for. And maybe to kick us off, um, could you introduce yourself to the Label Sessions audience, please? Yeah, my pleasure. And thank you for thank you for the opportunity as well. Nice to speak to you today. Um, so my name is Bart. I'm based in uh, Antwerp, in Belgium. Um, and as you rightly say, my background uh, is heavily focused on uh, health in the in the widest sense. Um, I worked for a company called Sigma for um, good twenty years or so, um, and did a variety of roles really in uh, within that company, which which was great. I was in sales, I was in client management, I was in marketing and strategy. I was GM for a while. Um, but also to touch upon your point with innovation, I set up the innovation hub for Sigma, uh, for Sigma's international markets, which was uh, which was a tremendous experience, really, to see how innovation and healthcare can can come together. Um, so done this for about twenty years, um, and then since now almost two years, I'm acting as an independent consultant, um, still within the uh, the space of healthcare, still within the space of innovation as well. Because that's really where my passion lies. Um, besides that love traveling um and i think that's also probably linked to the international context that i always worked in uh so that's something that i'm, I'm quite passionate about so i don't want to just stay within belgium which is already such a small country and so i'd love <laughs> to explore the world and see what's out there so innovation and healthcare so one to me is a very expansive thing by nature innovation it's all about the art of the possible and the other i imagine is a very regulated possibly quite a risk-averse environment because it's people's health care, it's their insurance, it's how they manage their health. Can you talk to us about your experience making change happen and running the innovation projects um, within healthcare? Maybe you can lift the lid on what it's, what it's really like. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll start with saying that it's really hard. Uh, it, it's, not an easy, it's not an easy task to do. I don't think it's ever uh, an easy task to do. And so your point there is, there's always a lot of barriers when it comes to trying to achieve innovation. There's the context within uh, you work. Uh, you know, for example, a large multinational is not always that such good um, an environment to be able to innovate in. But to your point, there's also things like regulations. There's obviously uh, a lot of sensitivity, certainly when it uh, concerns people's health. So it's not an easy task to do. Um, I think what's important when uh, you look at innovation and specifically also related to healthcare is that you always start from the individual. You always start from, in this case, the patient. And what are the what are the pain points? What are they experiencing? What is it that you're trying to solve for? Um, I'm very much of a believer that innovation should help to solve for certain problems. So that identification is key, and then being laser focused on that. Um, I think that's a uh, that's always a good place to start, as opposed to already focus on a shiny object or a certain technology that you want to do. Now let's first evaluate the problem, what it is you're trying to solve for, and then see how you're going to do this in uh, in innovative ways. Um, 
I guess when it comes to kind of those challenges that you've also mentioned, um, for me, it was always quite key, and I think which is crucial within uh, innovation and trying to innovate is just stakeholder management. Um, it's getting your story right, making very clear what you're trying to achieve, and then just trying to engage as many parties as possible within that journey, um, convincing them uh, of the importance of, uh, of, of the innovation that you're trying to achieve, uh, trying to convince them of the process uh, that you're following, uh, that it's the right process and that it will lead to results over time. Um, so there was always a lot of uh, a lot of time that I put into the, the stakeholder management to make sure that we can achieve something something tangible, right? And then the third I would add is, um, and this is it's textbook innovation almost, but I think it's still true. It's the pivoting and being okay to fail. Um, so constantly evaluating throughout the process what it is that you're doing. Um, are you indeed meeting the, the KPIs that you set yourself? Are you on the right track? And if not, uh, don't be afraid to pivot or even cancel the project entirely um, and focus on something new. Definitely going to touch on stakeholder management and an approach to that um, in a little bit. And I think it's interesting around being able to pivot, I think a lot of our label mates who, like you, work in the innovation space talk about having portfolios of opportunities. So there's less um, pressure for um, a bottleneck for kind of a one project to kind of a subside if it doesn't meet the KPIs. So it's an interesting approach, but again, it keeps you, I think, even busier having a kind of a portfolio of kind of a project that you're managing. Maybe um, you mentioned earlier you set up the Innovation Hub with Signal. Um, could you maybe talk to what you were setting out to achieve? Um, what are the things that you were able to launch within the remit of what Sigma does? First of all, so you know, I, I set it up seven years ago or so, um, and it it didn't mean that at the time there was no innovation happening at Sigma, obviously. And then just to be very clear, this was for Sigma's international markets, uh, which is roughly everything outside of the United States. So it didn't mean that there was no innovation happening, but I guess at the time there was a recognition that it, was, it wasn't focused enough, there wasn't a real strategy, all markets were sort of doing things on their own, but there was no overarching view of the different things that were happening, which is also not good from a resources perspective, obviously. So um, at the time that, um, uh, that I set up the, the innovation hub, uh, in the initial phases, there was a very clear focus on what is our vision? What is our mission? What do we want to achieve? What is our governance framework? How are we going to fund this? How are we going to collaborate with the different markets? So um, it wasn't rushing into innovation projects uh, straight away. It was really you know, taking a step back and being very clear about what it is that you want to achieve and how you want to achieve it. Um, to come then to, to that point, there was two main uh, focus areas for us. On the one hand, uh, we initiated quite a number of projects which focused on creating a culture of innovation within Sigma. So how do you do that? How do you engage markets, employees, etc., within your innovation activities? And then the other part, uh, that was very much focused on driving projects which are then supporting the vision and the mission that we, we set ourselves. Um, and that's where we had a very clear focus on uh, this notion of open innovations or really looking for collaborations with startups uh, to see how they can help improve uh, the value prop of Signa, how they can help solve specific problems that we identified, etc. So those were the, the two main focus areas that we, uh, that we set ourselves. I think that was a really interesting point that you made, Bart, around innovation. It's not that it's not happening. 
it's happening sporadically with different teams, I expect. And I appreciate you talking about the international market. So out with the, the, the US for Cigna. I think that's really interesting. What was the decision point to then say, actually, we want to formalize this into a team, like a dedicated activity? Was there a catalyst? I think it's just an overall recognition that innovation is crucial for companies to invest in. Innovation is crucial for companies to continue to um, improve their value proposition. Um, and I think that recognition leads to an observation, indeed, to your points, where innovation may be having but a very fragmented way, that you're sort of wasting resources as well. Um, you may be solving a specific problem in, let's say, Singapore, but then maybe somebody in the Middle East is looking at the exact same thing. And before you know it, you have two teams working on the same problem statement and maybe going in two completely different directions. So I think it's a, a waste of resources. I think that's recognition the recognition that markets were increasingly looking at innovation but not in a let's say in a focused way i think that has led to uh the decision to really create a function around it uh, and and be more deliberate about the strategy and the execution of innovation and it's interesting i think i'm i'm assuming that what underpins that because you mentioned sometimes like the process and i think process and the frameworks that you use often give confidence to stakeholders to say yes, you're doing it the right way because the issue is when you can have innovation happening in sporadic ways in different markets with various teams, it must be quite hard to evaluate which ones to invest in and to progress, especially if they're using kind of a different frameworks. And was that a, um, an issue at all for you or anything you wanted to address? Yeah, so that's something that we, we focused on uh, relatively early uh, in the, the, the phases, let's say, in, in the journey of the innovation apps. We focus indeed on creating a common framework that we can use, including a, a framework of how to take decisions on which projects to invest in, yes or no. So that's more the governance uh, around it, let's say. Um, and this is where it created, uh, yeah, I think quite an exciting uh, journey around where um, we did this in a, a in a way where we co-created uh, with uh, different markets, where we identified individuals and embedded them, sort of let's say, in the process of designing uh, that framework and how it could look like, um, to try to get that buy-in right from the start, as opposed to designing something and then imposing it uh, on onto the different markets. So I think that's a strategy that worked, um, and it allowed us to be very clear about what is it that we're going to invest in, what are the projects that we want to focus on. Um, which are the markets that we're going to uh, collaborate with, etc. So, yeah, designing that framework and be very clear about the decision points as well was something we did very early on in that, uh, in that journey. You mentioned stakeholders earlier. Let me ask you, what's your approach to show and tell with innovation programs like the Innovation Hub? I guess there's two extremes. There's one is to work in isolation or the other side of the coin is to bring in um, lots of stakeholders from across the organization and people to input into into things. What's your approach to kind of a, I guess, managing stakeholders and the show and tell element of of innovation programs? It was definitely the latter. Uh, so when it comes to really driving the innovation projects as well, and as I mentioned earlier, even in designing our frameworks, we already collaborated with markets because we felt it was crucial to get that buy-in right from the start, not just with respect to who we are and what we're trying to do, but also when it comes to running the innovation project itself because to my earlier points we were working uh, very much on this notion of open innovation doing collaborations with startups but we wanted to 
test those lives in market. We wanted to test it with real customers and not just in some kind of an isolated way or maybe an hypothetical or theoretical way. So we were forced, uh, because of that, we were forced to collaborate with uh, the different markets and with the stakeholders in these markets. Um, so that for us was always key. And it links also to your other question on show and tell. In order to engage these stakeholders, in order to engage the markets to collaborate with you, um, you need to be able to tell a narrative. You need to be able to show uh, what, you're, what you're capable of and maybe what you've done in different markets. So there was a lot of um, effort that we uh, that we spent on showing what we're doing, making sure that we're um, part of, for example, global town halls to explain what we're doing, visiting markets and uh, making presentations to the uh, to the different teams, um, developing newsletters, uh, making sure that you have regular presentations at the different levels, leadership, middle management, all employees, etc. So a lot of the work that we did was indeed focused on communication which we saw as an enabler also to continue to run projects across the organization. It's interesting when you're talking to me about your experience with the innovation hub, I imagine in leading it, I think you're actually probably wearing so many different hats. There's a big part of that is stakeholder management, communication, working with partners, which we'll, we'll get into in a moment, and also being a leader in that environment, engaging the team, creating, I guess, the innovation culture. Um, and then also making decisions on what to progress, what not to. That's a bit of a juggle, but how did you do it? <laughs> um, well, I think whether I was successful or not, you maybe have to ask uh, my colleagues from back in the days. But um, I guess it's it's all about um, putting together a team which is very complementary. So we, the innovation team itself was really small. Um, we were at a given point, we were like, five, maybe six people, but that was it. Um, because we, again, we were collaborating with the different markets and we sourced SMBs within the different markets again to that point of engagement and getting that early buy-in. Um, but the team itself was super complementary. Um, so I, for example, I'm not a technical expert, but I made sure that within the team we had somebody who's super strong from a technical perspective. We had somebody who's super strong from a communications perspective. We had a real pro project manager. So it's even within small teams looking for those complementary profiles, we cannot all be great communicators. We cannot all be technical experts, right? I think that has helped to um, uh, to achieve what we what we want to achieve. I think that's one. The second is, and you mentioned that before as well, um, it's to make sure that you take on a number of projects because indeed some may stop, some others you may need to pivot, even, even uh, abandon completely, um, but also not too many. Um, because there is also a risk that there's so many uh, interesting things out there, there's so many interesting startups, there's so many problems to solve that you try to look at so many things that in the end you don't realize anything. Um, so it's also about managing that portfolio, portfolio very strictly to make sure that you're focused on a number of projects only where you can actually also show and tell what you're doing, but then also show the results um, and making sure that some of those projects are also pushed into the markets once that you've uh, you've shown that they're actually working once you've, you've proven success, that they're also embedded within the overall value prop or service prop of the organization, that it doesn't stay something hypothetical uh, and, oh, this was nice, but now we're never going to use it, right? So I think that's critical. Um, so it, yeah, I think it's just all about managing that team to make sure that everybody knows exactly what they're doing, 
limiting the portfolio to a certain uh, degree. And then my focus was more on engaging also that senior leadership uh, to make sure that they help uh, also with local resources and all of that uh, to achieve what we want to achieve. This podcast is brought to you by Label Sessions, the global platform that connects you to the best advice from the most interesting people. Around the world, we work with brands to connect their people to true leaders, just like the people you hear on this podcast, for live sessions of advice, mentoring, or sometimes to collaborate on ideas. To find out more, visit labelsessions.com and book in for a demo with our team. I imagine you were very popular for the um, kind of uh, within Signa and the international team because if you're communicating a lot about what you're doing, I think a lot of people um, are attracted to that. It's quite a magnetic thing in an organisation when it's around kind of innovation activities, and it was helpful to hear your view on how you form and build kind of innovation teams. Because what I heard is it's a small team, so they have to be really highly functioning. So it's about really kind of a quite specific skill sets um when you look back on building your teams is there anything that you would do differently or um or any advice that you would give to other leaders building innovation teams on what to what to look for i think there's always things that you uh, that you would do differently uh of course you're always working within a certain context where there are certain barriers and, and challenges and there's resource uh, restrictions etc um so that of course plays a role um i think at an earlier stage uh i think i mentioned that technical profile i think that's something that we should have had uh, at the very early stage is something we only uh, got at a later stage but, but proved to be quite critical in terms of really realizing some of the projects itself because there's always a link with uh with it in one way or another so i think that's something that i would have done uh differently i think the other bit is related to um the different regions and the different uh, business units that we were working with so we developed an entire program with catalysts uh, because we wanted to have these uh, uh these, these liaison officers almost let's say within the different markets to be our our connection into it uh both from a push and pull perspective um and i think the program was great um and it was good but once we had these catalysts identified and we trained them up etc it was really hard to continue to engage them because they were absorbed again by the day-to-day uh, of these business units and of the of different uh, different uh, countries that we were working with. So, I guess that model I would have probably changed that um, and not not have those catalysts as almost something which is a side of their desk, so to speak. But really make sure that you have these these satellites, let's say, in the different business units and within the different business segments in a more formalized way. Um, that's something that I would be different. It, it doesn't work as a side of the desk because everybody is very quickly just absorbed about uh, by their day-to-day activities. And then I guess it becomes an operational element within the business because you then need to engage HR to identify and value that kind of a contribution to the innovation team. So in order to secure full-time people, there's quite a lot of work that has to happen behind the scenes to ensure it um, helps and is fruitful for someone's career and um, so I, I appreciate that there's probably a lot that goes on behind the scenes. Um, but let me ask you now about partnerships, because you mentioned that one of your, I think um, I understood your approach to kind of the innovation hub was to look at kind of the startups and partners in markets that you could work with. 
in order to crucially kind of attest things really on and have real data that you could validate. So you're moving it from kind of a blue sky thinking to kind of a, we can actually make decisions on on what to do next. Um, bringing startups into their, I guess, health insurance and health world through open innovation programs. How did you find bringing those two worlds together? It was fun to do, but it was very challenging to, do, to bring these two worlds together. Um, no, connecting. Well, first of all, identifying the right startup. Um, I mean, there's there's so many. And our focus was insurance and health tech, uh, to be clear. Um, but no, once you identify a specific problem or a specific focus area, um, we had partners that we worked with to identify different startups uh, who were active in that domain. Then we had built a framework to make sure that we selected the right one. So we had a number of, uh, of, of key decision criteria that we looked at, et cetera, et cetera. So, but once you you move down that decision process and you have actually identified uh, a startup or a partner you want to work with, yeah, that's when the, the top job uh, starts, right? Because indeed, startups and multinationals are two completely different worlds. Um, and trying to merge those two has proven to be quite challenging um there's everything related to contracting uh which is uh which is quite challenging quite challenging to do there's the operational processes there's the um the expectations that a multinational may have uh, at a startup when it comes to things like data and privacy and other types of regulations etc so um it was a it was a challenge but i guess also here communication and conversation are just key um, and this is also where we, we try to work with different departments, now IT, legal, compliance, etc., um, to make sure that we had uh, specific focal points within these often large organizations. Because then we can also explain to these specific people, this is what we're trying to achieve. This is how our model works. Um, and this is also sometimes just the scale that we're looking at. And it may be that in two months' time, we decide uh, to cancel the project altogether. So. Um, just to make sure that they appreciate where we're coming from and what we're trying to achieve. Because that that also allowed them to look at some of their processes in a different way. I'm not saying that was always uh, successful, but I think we made some good progress uh, with these uh, these departments, which facilitated the collaboration with, um, uh, with these startups quite significantly. Because I think when it comes to this innovation, our model was to you know, quickly run a POC, uh, no proof of concept or a pilot to really evaluate that. Is there some value in this? Yes or no. But you have to do that really quick. It doesn't make sense to you know, identify a problem, identify a solution, and then your pilot may take two years before you, <laughs> before you're able to. The problem show will change by the time you need to launch it. Exactly, because then the problem may already have changed. So the speed is really of the essence, um, and. Yeah, again, also here, I think the collaboration model is key to uh, uh, to try to achieve that. Again, maybe not always that successful, but I think we made great progress uh, in that respect. And I'm just imagining kind of a, um, being in your shoes in that environment. No, not only are you engaging with kind of a senior leaders across the business for buy-in and engagement, it's actually around, um, I think this is often what people um, forget, it's the collaborators you have within your organization to help make change happen. Because if you're, you're the team that's engaging with startups and you're engaging with the outside world, and I think there's a level of excitement, and then you will be operating quite differently from a lot of your colleagues. So that experience for the startup is like two worlds. It can be like black and white, I think. And I wonder if 
I guess my hunch is that by working differently and asking procurement and other teams, data security, et cetera, to, to think about reviewing the startup differently for your POC, for your agenda, which will have a wildly different scale from what you would typically do in the organization, is actually probably quite a big catalyst for change in the organization to say, actually, yeah, we can do this differently because we don't have to use this process. So I imagine by setting up the innovation hub, you can do things, you can get data and insights on what works and be innovative and, and have the dedicated team for that. But actually, it feels like the, that long tail is this current of change with other teams. I think it's fair because indeed the more you engage and the more you have those discussions and also the more you can actually show success um, and you can show that it actually works if you're looking at things in a different way, um, the more indeed that becomes a catalyst for change throughout the organization. Um, and people indeed get more excited and see the true value of innovation and also start believing that you can actually do something, you can actually do innovation, you can run these POCs and these pilots. So. Um, I think that's fair, that, that it, it is a catalyst of change, the long tail of that. I agree. And I guess you as a leader in that environment have to be really resilient. Uh, resilient, yes. Patience uh, is also a very important <laughs> uh, factor. And I guess perseverance. Um, I think if there's one thing, it, it, you get a lot of no's anyway, um, if you're in that job. Um, so you have to be really, yeah, Perseverance to make sure that you stick through. And if you really believe in something, uh, you know, just try maybe a different road or continue to push or um, just make sure that it's always on the agenda uh, so that you can turn that, uh, that no into a maybe and ultimately into a yes. <laughs> um, so perseverance is uh, it's quite important. And I guess you have to be quite a good, you say storyteller, but really kind of a communicating things in, in ways that land with people. So a, a, a big juggle for an innovation leader. What advice would you give to other leaders who are trying to set up innovation teams in their organization or maximize their partnership models? Like knowing what you know now, what 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 advice would you give to kind of the leaders who are kind of stepping into similar shoes to you? Well, I think I'm going to probably repeat myself a little bit from what I mentioned before, but I think the one is um, really be laser focused on uh, a few projects and bringing those to an end, whether an end is we had to stop because there was no value or the end is this is great and let's embed it in the in the overall value proper service proper the organization that's key because you need to be able to showcase what the real value is uh, of your team of the innovations that you're driving so i think that's one um two it's uh it's relationship building uh as much as possible not just inside your organization but also outside so that you're constantly aware of what's happening out there etc I think in that context, there's also a lot of discussion groups, et cetera, that are being organized where you get to mingle and interact with the people who are in a similar position as you in another organization. And you'll often find that you have the same challenges anyway, but it's, it's nice to speak to individuals who are in the same situation and you can sort of help each other with just bringing your own experience and, uh, uh, and maybe your solutions to certain problems to one another. So I think uh, that definitely helps. And then third is the team. Um, be very clear about what type of skills uh, you need within your team. And that may be very different from organization to organization. Um, and bring that together and engage uh, with that team very, very happily because it's not an easy job, not just on the leader, but it's also 
reflects on the team, right? They're also confronted with the nodes. They're also confronted with the sometimes bureaucratic roles, etc. So make sure you keep the morale high of um, uh, of your team and that they are also sort of you know, showing and expressing uh, within the organization what the, what the innovation uh, team is all about. I'm being nosy now, but could you share any of the things you were quite proud to launch from that time in the innovation hub? One which I think was uh, exceptionally well, it was something really small. We had to solve, this, uh, we, we started small, uh, uh, solving a very small problem. It was related to, you now if you think about claims experience, very often somebody submits a medical claim and then there's silence until it is being reimbursed. Um, and we got a lot of questions in on, is my claim received and when it will be processed, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas if you look at other industries, um, if you order something online, if you uh, order food through Uber Eats or what have you, you're constantly updated on, okay, we've received it, your, your meal is being processed, the delivery guy is picking it up, et cetera, et cetera. So there's this constant flow of communication. Which is great because it avoids that people have to contact you, which then also um, is, a, is a costly thing to respond to that, right? So that's the problem we tried to solve for. And within um, two months, we were able to source the right vendor for it, uh, a startup, which we already had connections with. But um, we were able to source it, run um, a POC. Um, we ran a POC for about, I think it was a month and a half or two months or so. Um, it was very clear what the, the impact of that was because there was real tangible data within that cohort where we tested it, what the, the drop was in the number of questions related to what was the status of my claim. And then before you know it, it was, uh, the business was like, this is great and it's going to be embedded within the overall service program. Well, you broke them. Of course, the contracting takes, uh, takes some time, but I think in a record uh, in a record time, we were able to implement something very tangible within within the business and I'm still very proud of it given that we've done other projects which were really great and also drove a lot of value but often they took longer and this was sort of one of the first times that we were able to do this like in a very very uh, fast pace and that was just amazing to see because we got also great uh, feedback from it and I know that there's still um, an important founder within our organization so that's great I think that was a, an incredible insight in kind of a, I guess lifting the the hood in to how innovation really works in a big organization and it was great to hear I guess the outcome because as you said it's really around kind of a it's not being for you at Signal it was trying to think about not being technology first but actually what problems can you solve I think your example is a great one of saying actually um this is a real problem. We can solve it, and and to do it, um, not all innovation has to be on complete game changes. It can be just around improving service, um, which is awesome. And I think it, the problem that we have today is the last good digital experience you have is the one you then expect absolutely everywhere. So that level of communication you expect with having your meal delivered, you suddenly expect it overnight with everything. Why doesn't everybody do this? So. Exactly. Um, it's great to see how you were able to manage the, 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 those challenges. I'm going to move to some quick fire questions. Um, you have a lovely background. I don't know if it's on purpose, but your kind of a, your your jumper almost matches your walls. And now I'm nosy. Can you describe your desk for our audience? I'm curious. Uh, so the background is like all white. 
those are just uh, covers. But then if you would turn the camera, there's um, uh, there's a big death, which is almost uh, black. Um, and then there's a huge plant. There's a big, uh, big painting. So it, it's completely opposite. So this is all white. And there it's a lot of, uh, it's more lush. And there's color and there's paintings and there's books. And so it's, it's very different. And are you neat? Do you have a neat and tidy desk, or do you have papers everywhere? Uh, no, it's very neat and very tidy. I got um, that vibe. Almost all, almost OCD. <laughs> I love that. Um, what are the most useful website or people to follow, um, to stay on the pulse of things innovation in healthcare in your industry? I think Plug and Play is doing an amazing job in uh, because they have all their verticals and and depending on what industry that you're uh, uh, that you're working in, I think they always have the right uh, uh, the right startups, the right engagements. They're global as well, so not just focus on a specific geography. Um, so I think it's interesting to follow them uh, and what they're doing. Um, I think also LinkedIn in general. Um, I think is an amazing platform. Um, it's easy to build out a network. And uh, if you get beyond the organizational updates, like I'm so happy to announce that I have a new job. If you get beyond that, there's a lot of cool um, stuff in there. Um, and it's easy to to see who are within your industry, I guess, uh, uh, the, the thought leaders um, who post regularly. And I get a lot of my my intel, my information, my updates on the market through LinkedIn as well, to be honest. Uh, I think it's a, it's a great medium. In another life, what would your career be? I've always wanted to be a landscape architect. Uh, yeah, so, so completely different. Um, I, I don't have a, a big garden, but I do have some plants here on Terrace, living around apartments, and I just love, no working with plants and also because i have a big plant here as i was saying and i i'm not sure how you say it in english but then i i cut branches off and i i, I try to make it into a new plant etc so it, it gives me a lot of joy to uh to work with plants and i guess doing that at a larger scale and um i think it's something that's very appealing so yeah maybe landscape architect would be another career path <laughs> <laughs> and how would you describe your leadership style I would say it's very uh, <clears throat> uh, collaborative, um, very open. So um, I really try to engage with my teams heavily. Um, I'm also not. Uh, I also want to let my teams shine uh, when no, when when there's an opportunity and and uh, and when it's the right time to do it. So I don't want to take credits for um, everything that the teams are. I think the team needs to get that credit. So. Collaborative, open, um, empathetic. Uh, so I think these would be the words that I would use to describe my leadership style. Last question. And it's something that we ask everyone. Um, on a scale of one to ten, how weird are you, Bart? <laughs> wow, that's an interesting question. Uh, how weird am I? Um, huh. Maybe a seven. I don't know. <laughs> Okay. Uh, I tried. Yeah, I think weird enough, but also conscious that sometimes weirdness may block you from getting certain things. Uh, so that's where I'm, I I may go to the more traditional uh, habits to to make sure that I achieve what I want to achieve. Maybe that's right to look at it. <laughs> well, thank you for being a good sport, Bart. Um, it was such a pleasure to talk to you. Um, Likewise. 
understand a bit around how innovation works, but I'm also now completely intrigued by your kind of apartment um, and your office space of very much of two halves, which I which might be a bit like maybe maybe you you've got like kind of a, a white background behind you and lush greenery in front of you. And it was a pleasure to talk. Thank you. Likewise, thank you for your time. So concludes another episode of Label Sessions Presents. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast nowhere at your platform of choice. And of course, start your journey today with us at labelsessions.com.